Most of us don't even realize we're living some of the best times of our lives while they're happening. That was certainly the case for me and a couple of my buddies in the mid-70s, working summers at a suburban Midwest swimming pool. Stonegate was the name of the place. But today, Stonegate is the word that brings us together, makes us laugh, makes us feel young again, and instantaneously causes us to revert to juvenile personalities and dumbass dialogue. I'm Steve Kennecke, creator of the Stonegate Podcast. This is Pat Doran, my best buddy since we were like 15. Hello, Akenike. Hey, buddy. And this is Pat's brother, Tom Doran, still causing trouble, still a punk. <laughs> That's me. Hey, how are you doing? That's you, buddy. Hey, we hope you enjoy Stonegate as much as we did and still do. But realistically, we know that's not possible. Like every other testosterone-fueled knucklehead from my generation, I wanted my four-wheel fix of speed and power. We grew up with the idea that cars helped define your personality and declared your manhood. Hell, you could hardly turn on the TV without seeing Bondmobiles, Batmobiles, a Munster coach, or the Starsky and Hutch Gran Torino. By the mid-70s, cars were still the quickest mode of transportation from anonymity to attention, status, and chicks. And with the oil embargo and gas rationing in the rearview mirror, both gas and horsepower were affordable and readily available. Every automaker was cranking out high horsepower beasts that could take you from zero to trouble in less than 10 seconds. I mean, you could even get a fugly AMC Gremlin with a 401 cubic inch V8. So guys, having a badass car was a big deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, what'd you guys drive back then? I know, um, Tommy, you had a Javelin, right? Yeah, I was going to say your AMC Gremlin reference in ride. It ought to be, it ought to be a Javelin because I had a straight six Javelin with desert only. Very, very popular. <laughs> you had no dual exhaust and no glass pack. Uh, no, no. The only screech you get out of those tires is if you put on the brakes. Well, hey, Pat, you're, you're not one to talk because you had a fucking dart, right? <laughs> I had a Dodge Dart. I souped it up. It was a 287 uh, slant six with a glass pack and very, very fast. It wasn't <laughs> fast. I'm thinking I could run faster than that thing. <laughs> I remember that having a six pack or a six banger, as we called it, was was kind of a, a, a derogatory thing back then. You didn't even want to admit you had a six banger. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was a sign of weakness, but I overcame that. A six pack was a was three twin carbs, one or three uh, double carbs. Didn't they call it a six pack? I remember the I remember the the quadrajet. Remember the Holly quadrajet carburetor? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big thing to have. But didn't your dad work for AMC, guys? Yeah, he was like the region manager for AMC, so he'd bring home that stuff all the time, all the different cars, the. AMXs and Javelins, and every once in a while we could sneak them out the back and roar up and down the streets in them. What? Now, what was his role there? He was like the region manager. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah he would bring home these cars. They were 390 engines, sports cars. Man, they were hot rodders. 
Remember the purple, the purple javelin he brought home that time. Then we took it down to the racetrack and they rate, they did a drag racing with it. It didn't yeah. exactly yep. float off the line, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> did your, uh, did your dad light it up when he got in that car? Was it, he struck me as being a pretty, uh, conservative guy. I don't see him getting crazy, but maybe I didn't know him that well. Nah. Not around the children, but, but yeah, when, Tom and I were out a couple of times. He would get on it. Nice, but he wasn't he he wasn't a speed demon though. Fly, he didn't uh, he didn't enjoy ripping them, barking them off all the time like we did. Well, no, because he was a he was our father. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, let's listen to a little bit more. I'm just to introduce the car that I had. So I bought a '68 Pontiac GTO, 400 horsepower. Four-speed, forest green with a black Landau top, 750 bucks. Even had hideaway headlights and a Hurst T-handle shifter. I was smitten. I was cool. Yeah, do you guys remember that car? Yeah, because yeah. wow. you raced Precious Lord in it on Metcalf. <laughs> That's coming. <laughs> That's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Precious Lord, that was classic. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. All right, well, we'll talk about that a bit more in a, in a little bit. But that that car that I had, so I don't know if I shared this with you guys, but the day I got it, I drove to work at GEM gas station. That's where I worked when I was in high school, and I'm on the service road, getting close to to the store, to the gas station, and the transmission locks up. And then what had happened was that the car, I think, was originally made as an automatic, and the guy who bought it decided he wanted a manual, so he tried to put it in himself, and he didn't really connect connect the linkage very well, and it, it got locked up, so I had to call my old man, and this was before cell phones. So I had to walk down to the station about a mile away, call my dad, and have him come out, and he, he got out there, and he just kind of gave a good old tug on the uh, shift handle and popped it back into alignment. And uh, that was my first first day with the GTO. Oh, no. Oh, geez. So good times, good times. All right, well, let's, let's, uh, let's listen a little bit more. We're going to talk a little bit about Tommy here. But I wasn't nearly as cool as Tommy Doran, our Stonegate co-worker and Pat's little brother. Tommy was two years behind us in school. Like most of us, he worked a number of jobs to earn his spending money. He lifeguarded at Stonegate, and he worked a number of other odd jobs. But his gig at the local Dodge Chrysler dealership was perhaps the coolest opportunity a 16-year-old could ask for. As a lot boy, Tommy had instant access to the full Mopar lineup, some of the baddest cars on the planet back in 74. While I don't know what the official lot boy job description was, Tommy seemed to have it figured out. Drive cars fast. That pretty much summed up his activity. So did I get that right? Tom, what was your job title, Tommy? That was my job. I was, you go for this and you go for that. Oh, you were a gopher. Yeah, I was a gopher. So, hey, go for, you know, I, I got to go for uh, lunch or I'd go for running a bank draft or, or drop this off at my house or whatever, you know, so just get in the car and go and. Yeah, so you had your you had your choice of whatever cars were available, and and most of them were, uh, you know, we just put a D tag on it, a dealer tag on it, and off you go. If you need any gas, you just swung by the gas station and st- stuck five bucks in it, and 
you're ready to roll. What was your car of choice? What did you like driving back then? If I could ever find a, a Challenger, the Hemi Challengers, those were really good. I like to get on those things. Mm. And uh, but the but most of the time the Chargers, there are 440 Chargers, and those things could really roll. And you know you could even you could you could smoke them and still leave the air conditioner on and, and the stereo playing. I always kind of thought that was cool. <laughs> Pat, did you ever uh, get a chance to drive any of those cars that Tommy brought around? Well, when when Tommy drove the cars around, he was in a, a bit of a hurry, and he would hog them, and he, he would just say, watch this. <laughs> Smoke would be everywhere. But no, I don't think he let me drive because of, well, the liability issues. Yeah, Pla, I was, rare, I was very responsible back then, as you know. <laughs> but I'd pull into Stonegate, and would, uh, of course, I'd have to have a little lunch. And then as I pulled out, I'd have to head back to the dealership for whatever reason. I'd pull out, and I'd always, I always felt like I had to give you a, my my send away, you know, <laughs> my send away greeting. So I would uh, back up. I remember backing up, and I'd look in the, I'd, I'd back up, and you guys, somebody'd be in the basket room, and I'd say, "Hey, watch this." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Uh, I do definitely remember that. Let's listen a little more to this. We can talk more about it. These cars were brand new Challengers, Chargers, Roadrunners that were about to go on the lot for sale. Or they were the cars of customers who had brought them in for warranty work, tune-ups, or other issues. Occasionally, the cars needed to be moved or taken out for a test drive. Tommy stepped up without hesitation. Now, a test drive usually consisted of a quick spin on nearby streets to make sure everything was working properly. Tommy would routinely test drive the cars all the way to Stonegate, about five miles away from the dealership. We'd be sitting in the guard stands or doing some odd chores around the pool when the unmistakable rumble of a 340 V8 74 Cuda with headers and glass packs rolled into the pool's circle drive. It wasn't one of the more responsible things I did as a, in my youth. And some of those cars were, uh, were, were customer cars too. I took them out and I remember <laughs> bringing that big Cuda down to the, to the, to the, uh, pool that time. And God, it was all jacked up and it had the big fat slicks on the back. And hell, that was somebody's car. That was, that was so stupid to do that. But I did. But I did. And I, I can remember thinking back then, you're going to kill somebody, man. Yeah, there wasn't anybody out there. It was okay. The only thing I was going to kill, I could have killed myself, but I wasn't going to hit anybody. There was a pool full of kitties, and the mothers were there. Remember when you did the burnout? Yeah, I, I, I definitely remember more than one. Let's listen to a little more of this, and we can talk about that burnout. Tommy would gun the engine to its deafening red line, causing everyone in the pool, not to mention those up to five blocks away, to stop what they were doing and look in the direction of the offending cacophony. Tommy would just roll down the window and holler over the din. Howdy, boys! Watch this! Then, with members walking into or out of the pool's entrance on the circle drive, Tommy would proceed to put the car in first gear rev the engine beyond any manufacturer's recommended RPM limit and drop the clutch. 
then stand on the brake and accelerator at the same time. The back tires would break loose and spin violently while the car fought to stay in place. Smoke rose from the pavement, and the rear end would do a little dance from side to side as the 400-horsepower motor strained against the overmatched disc brakes. Mothers hustled small children to safety behind bushes that lined the fence. Others sprinted full speed across the street or into the pool's entrance to avoid victim status. Most plugged their ears and turned away in a combination of fear and disgust. Pat and I would just look at each other and laugh. Only Tommy had the sack to do something like this. He could piss you off in a heartbeat, but we also admired his defiant, carefree attitude. We talked about this not long ago, and um, one of you said, you kind of repeated what one of the moms said, like, this is disgusting. Somebody needs to call the police right now. Is that what, is that, do I remember that right? Yes, I remember it distinctly. I was on the guard chair, and Tommy says, watch this. He gets in the car, does a burn-off that lasted, it seemed like, three minutes, Smoke everywhere. The smoke blows across the pool. I'm laughing, but I'm trying not to, I'm trying to compose myself because the mothers were starting to get, get upset. And Tom takes off. And then I think, did you go around the parking lot or just leave and go up Antioch? I went up Antioch, but I didn't remember it being that violent, was it? Uh, that it, it was very violent because <laughs> the, the smoke lingered for a good five minutes. They, people were in shock. Others would come up to me. They come up to me at the guard chair and said, who is that? Do you know who that is? We're <laughs> calling the police right now. Can I use the phone? And I, I said, ma'am, I don't have any idea who that person is. <laughs> I was just trying to seat the rings and get those tires broken in a little bit. <laughs> seat the rings. Did you stand on the brake and accelerate at the same time? Uh, well, yeah, you know, that way you can get off the line quicker, Flop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that car was fast enough. You could do a burnout with just, uh, you know, in first gear straight. I remember another time I brought that, I brought a big 440 by the house, which is just like a couple blocks from the pool. And the old man and you were on the front steps and I backed out of the house and I I think I yelled, watch this. And the old man, didn't, he didn't seem to mind it, but it was a hot day. And I backed up, and I let the thing kind of roll backwards, but it was still in gear, but it rolled backwards. No. And, uh, and then I let her go, and that thing just sat there for about a minute, just burning rubber. <laughs> and it smoked out the whole neighborhood. I mean, you could see a big cloud of smoke all over the place. I think I think Mrs. Gerichton came out, didn't she, shaking her fist at everybody? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the old man, the old man thought it was pretty funny, if I recall. What did, did, what did he say to you? He was laughing and chuckling, and uh, he he enjoyed it. He didn't say much, um, but if he was smiling and laughing, that's all you needed. That's all you, yeah, yeah. You passed now. Now, if 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 dear mother was home, yeah, that would have been a problem. I, I saw those stripes up the street for about six months. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about the time in the winter? This is like Christmas time. You bring home a like a 74, it was a red uh, charger with uh, studded snow tires. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Tore up the street, too, oh, didn't it? I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah that wasn't too bright. That was one of my yeah. smarter moments. 
But you could get those cars going up Antioch because there were only two lanes and there wasn't that much traffic on the street. And and by the time you got to the top of the hill on Antioch, you'd be doing a 90, 100 miles an hour. Oh, my God. Which, uh, <laughs> which isn't. Which is isn't a good idea because somebody what was that ninety ninth Street or something up there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulling out, but God, that, those things would really go. That reminds me of um, a time in high school when I had my GTO and my friend's dad had a a GTO Judge. Remember the Judge? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. That yeah. orange orange GTO. So we decided it would be a good idea to race down ninety fifth Street, like in front of Hillcrest High School. And we left, we, we took off, um, probably around Melrose, which is the street I lived on, and we were racing all the way to Quivira. So there's that little hill there. And we were going, we were over a hundred miles an hour by the time we got close to Quivira. I look in, I looked in my rear view mirror and there's a cop right on our ass, just lights flashing. And, and this cop, uh, pulled us over, both cars over. This guy was so pissed off. I thought he was going to yank us out of the car and just pummel us to death. That's how angry he was. <laughs> and then he looked in in my friend's car and he happened to know the guy's dad whose car he was driving. And so he let he let us off. He didn't even write us a ticket, but he gave us a warning and he shook his fist. He said, "If I ever catch you idiots doing this shit again, I'm going to kill you." And I believed him. I was scared, but we were really lucky to get off. And really stupid to be driving 100 miles an hour on 95th Street. Gee, no kidding. Wow. Yeah, so. That's pretty fast. (laughs) It's stupid. All right, well, let's listen a little more. We're going to get into Champlin a little bit here. Speaking of Zach, it wasn't just at the pool where Tommy got away with his audacious behavior. Pat and I worked at the Champlin gas station across the street from Stonegate during fall, winter, and spring months. Nights and weekends, we'd pump gas, check oil levels, air up tires, and wash windshields. Tommy worked there with us one year, but quit to take a job selling men's clothing at Malliers in the local shopping mall. Had he not quit, he probably would have been fired. I can still hear the station's owner, Fenton Keats, telling Tommy, You're not your brother, are you? After finally getting fed up with Tommy's less-than-stellar work ethic. But Tommy did have some mad gas station skills that Fenton didn't quite know about. Tommy absolutely excelled at helping himself to everything he could for his car. Free Phillips, quarts of oil, brake fluid, whatever his Javelin needed or Tommy wanted, he took. Especially car washes. The station had an automatic car wash, one of the few in the area at the time. Tommy would pull up to the entrance, put the transmission in neutral, hop out of the car, and run into the station to push the button that started the wash. Then hustle back to his car and jump in as it was starting to move on the belted drive. Once the wash was done, he'd drive back around to the entrance and wash it again. I think his record was six times in one night, and it wasn't unusual for him to leave the station after a fill-up and wash, only to return in his parents' cars to repeat the process. You guys remember Champlin, obviously, and Fenton. Dates and dates. <laughs> that was the worst job I ever had in my life. I hated. Oh, that, that was the greatest job. What? Why did you uh, hate it, boy. Tommy? Because it was just, it was just awful. I mean, you had to go out there, and you know, it'd be ninety-nine degrees out, and you know, in, invariably one of our football coaches would show up, Coach <laughs> Wami. Coach Wamsgans would show up, and it'd say, "Mr. Dorn, I want you to." 
clean my windows. First, fill it up. I want my windows clean. I want you to check the tires. I want you to check the the coolant. I want you to check my oil. I want you to check everything. <laughs> I hit come by about twice a week just to drive you nuts. <laughs> You'd be out there doing that all the time. The only thing, I, the only enjoyment I got out of that was selling quarts of oil. Right. If you sell a quart of oil, you got ten cents. Yes, that was a big deal. And then those those other guys worked there during the day. You know, we were always working the later later shifts. And who were those two? Those two kind of druggy dudes that worked there during the day. I don't know what they. I didn't even know who they were. Remember Helmer? Oh yeah. Kenny, no. you're going to kill poor old Helmer that time. <laughs> Could have been brought up on charges. I uh, do you remember Billy Love. Oh yeah, Billy Loves Vega. Vega I, and Love. and Tom, Tommy. I'm probably making this up, but I could swear that you tried to pull a wheelie in that thing one time. <laughs> the Vega. We well, had a V8 in it. <laughs> Pat, do you remember uh, 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 Tommy getting the car washes? Oh yeah. Absolutely. He would run. He he would say, "Hey, I'll be back in a little bit, so you're gonna have to watch the watch the island." So he'd just go around in a circle six, seven times. Easy. He kept getting out of his car, <laughs> pressing the button, getting in, going around and around. It took him a half an hour to wash his car seven times. <laughs> it was a very. I like a clean car. It was very clean. Evidently, uh, but uh, Tommy, I I know what you're saying about. Customers being annoying. I remember a lady who used to come in to gas up once or twice a week. A sweet older lady, but every time she'd say, "Will you check the air in my tires?" And every time the t- the air pressure was the same, and I was just it was in a pain in the ass because they had to pull over to the side of the building, and it was. It, so finally, one day I said to her, and this was a jerk move on my part, but I said, "Ma'am, have you had your winter air changed to summer air?" <laughs> Oh, we you know you're out there putting a little uh, putting a little oil in those cars. If someone said, "Well, check my oil," you check the oil, and if it was about right, well, that means it's if it's about right, that means it about could use another quart. <laughs> yeah. So we're always dumping an extra extra can in those things. It didn't hurt him. I worked with a guy at GEM. You guys didn't know this guy at the gas station, but this guy's name was uh, I can't even remember his name, but. The dumbest son of a bitch I've ever met in my life. He had uh, like a 68 Chevy that he painted with house paint. He he had a <laughs> can of house paint. And anyways, he, his first week there, some lady pulls in and says, uh, can you check my oil? And he goes, sure. So he pulls the dipstick. It shows maybe it's a half quart low. He puts six quarts of oil oh. in her car. Six, six quarts. Her engine blew up, and the uh-huh. station had to pay to to repair her car. But I'm, this <laughs> oh, guy was damn. dumb as a rock, man. Man, let's 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 see what's up next. One of the cars that often came into Champlin for gas while we were working was a red '72 Hemi Cuda. It was completely decked out with a spoiler. Mickey Thompson L60 rear tires, headers leading into cherry bomb mufflers, air shocks, and a 426 cubic inch engine sporting 425 factory horses. As if that wasn't badass enough, the car was owned by a black bodybuilder dude with a shaved head 
and a quiet sort of Billy Jack demeanor. And written in 18-inch black sans-serif letters across the doors on each side of the car was the owner's nickname, The Precious Lord. Everybody who was in the cars in the area knew of the Lord, and if you owned a fast car, you wanted a piece of him. I got my chance one summer night. I had closed the pool, went home to clean up, then swung over to pick up my girlfriend, Kathy Lentz. We were heading to Instant Replay, one of the many bars in the area that served 3-2 beer to 18-year-olds. A stupid concept when you think about it now, but at the time, 3-2 bars were everything to us. Anyway, Kathy and I are driving down Metcalf Avenue on the way to the bar, in my goat, when we roll up to a red light. And there he was. Already stopped at the light, one lane over to our right. The Precious Lord. This was it. My chance to take down the Lord and seal my reputation as a legit street racer. I glanced over at him. His vision was fixed straight ahead. I looked at Kathy, who looked back at me with dread in her eyes. She knew what was about to happen, but was helpless to thwart my idiotic teenage adrenaline and ego. All right, so so guys, uh, first of all, you remember that car, right? Absolutely, yes. Did did you guys have any idea who the owner was? Did you ever talk to him at the station or anywhere else? Yes, I did. He was he came in one night for gas. He gets out of the car, and this guy was built like a well, he was built like a football player. Yeah. And he he, I so so we're talking to him, and he just looks at us, and he goes. I drive for the Lord. <laughs> That's all. <we> <laughs> don't, don't mess with us. Don't ask me any questions. Well, this guy ended up uh, getting a tryout for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't think he made it, but I mean, he was good. He he looked like he would be good enough. But um, yeah, he was he was an impressive guy. Yeah, I didn't know that about the Chiefs, but it doesn't surprise me. He was huge. He was fast. You know, the guy. He had a reputation around, I think, Kansas City, Missouri or something, uh, being a good athlete, but then he, now he has, he had the fastest car around. Oh, he did. I, I never saw it race, but you could just tell by looking and listening to that car that it would kick any, anybody's ass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never saw him get on that thing. He was always just purring around with that look. He just had a, I never spoke a word to that guy. He just kind of, had those glasses on and stared off into a distance like a mystery man. Yes. And he'd, that thing would rub, 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 rub down the street. And he just, I mean, it, 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 he, I never heard him get on it or anything. Did you? Anybody hear it? No, never no. did. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and t- Tommy, you're exactly right. He, he never spoke much of any words at all, but he didn't have to say much. You know, you just, he had this aura, aura about him that uh, was just a badass, you know? Yeah. He looked like Shaft. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Kathy was in the car with me that night when I decided I needed to race the Lord. So let's listen a little bit more and see how that turned out. I revved the goat a bit and looked over to my right to see if my 400-horsepower beast was tempting the Lord. His eyes remained locked on the road ahead. As I watched the light to turn from green to yellow, I increased the revs and gripped the steering wheel, preparing to launch. Kathy brought her knees up to her chest and buried her head between her legs as she quietly recited a Hail Mary. 
Our light turned green and I dropped the clutch as the tack read nine grand. The back wheels screamed. The whole car shook violently and we rocketed forward like a Nolan Ryan fastball. At about 40 yards, I shot a quick look to my right. There was no Laura to be seen. I kept the hammer down. A block later, I looked again. Still no sign of him. I had done it. I had whipped the baddest dude on the road. I let out a whoop and pumped my fist. Kathy just sighed and gave me a half smile that said, when are you going to grow up, for God's sake? So I was feeling pretty good at that point. I thought, oh, man, I, I did it. You know, I got this guy. And because I, I looked over, he wasn't there. And I thought, I I tore off that line. But it was weird, though. As I started to slow down, I could I could hear the engine start to sputter, and then I could start to see smoke come out from under the hood, and I knew some I knew something was wrong. I, I didn't know what it was, but um, let's let's listen to see how this this finishes up. I started to ease up on the gas when I noticed it, smoke rising from under the hood. Then the engine started to whine and the power waned. I pulled the now crippled goat to the shoulder and sat there as the smoke billowed from the engine compartment. Stepping out of the car, I looked at the road behind me for some sign of the Lord. Had he turned onto a side street in shame and disgust? Nope. He was approaching in the same lane he had been in, at the speed limit. Shit. I hadn't beaten the Lord. He didn't even bother to race me. He must have just kept his cool and left the light at a normal pace. As he drove past, he didn't even bother to look over at me. Maybe he felt sorry for me. More likely, he didn't even want to bother acknowledging another jackass who stupidly tried to take him on on a busy suburban street. After dropping about 150 bucks to have the fried water pump and shredded belts replaced, I decided to hang up my goat racing career and ended up getting rid of the car later that year. So I don't know if I shared that story with you guys back in the day, but that that actually happened. I tried racing him, and, and it was an utter failure on, on many fronts. I, I remember the story. It was hilarious. <laughs> he tried to take on the Lord. <laughs> he didn't even acknowledge me. He didn't even care. You know, it's just like, get out of here, idiot. <laughs> What happened to the car, the damage? Uh, as I learned, the water pump fried. Um, I think what happened is one of the belts slipped, causing the water pump to, to burn out, to burn up. So I, could, I couldn't drive it at that point. Uh, I had to get a tow, which was not cheap. Uh, and... You know, and then I had to somehow get Kathy home, and it was it was a long night. But um, yeah, that's what happened. I paid some money to have the car fixed, and but I, I felt good for about you know three or four minutes, thinking that I had beaten the guy. <laughs> Again, another uh, instance of um, I shouldn't have done that, and I'm lucky to be alive for doing something stupid. I don't know how fast I got up. I know I exceeded the red line on the tack back in those days you could do that now there, there's a rev limiter on engines and you, it doesn't allow that to happen but back then you could remember that tommy absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah they don't they don't not too many of them nowadays will let you let you break them if you if you, you throw them up too far up too many rpms but yeah those things we used to bang them up down going down was it down Metcalf where you're racing him? I think yeah, you said that. Yeah, yeah. That's a good racing street. I remember getting on uh, on several several cars on 
on Metcalf would go up and down that street like a mad, madman. And we also had motorcycles at the car dealership. And I remember running them down Metcalf on a Suzuki 550 or 650. Oh man, that was a fast bike. Oh yeah, it was fast. And we'd sit on, you'd just about have to sit on the gas tank to, to hold it down. And you'd roar that roar down the street at a at an incredible amount of speed. It was crazy. Was hey, do you remember? Was that um, they made some? Oh, I guess it was Kawasaki that made two stroke seven fifty that uh, was insanely fast off the line. Yeah, um, the, the five hundred Kawasaki's and the seven fifty Kawasaki's. Yes. Yeah, and this Suzuki was kind of in that class. It was that it was fast, really yeah, fast, definitely. Um, as I recall, that was f- one of the first motorcycles that had a radiator, a water-cooled engine. Oh. Uh, did I ever tell you guys how my relationship with the GTO ended? Uh-uh. What did you do? 7-Eleven, I pulled in for a pack of cigs. <laughs> and, uh, well, you were smoking. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is back in my day when I was smoking Marlboros and uh, – <laughs> I uh, I walked out with my cigs and got in the car, and there was this good-looking girl who pulled in next to me, so I wanted to impress her. And I, I I started the car, put it in reverse, and just floored it and dropped the clutch, thinking, yeah, if I burn the tires off, that's really going to impress this girl. Uh, yeah, and I ended up smashing the car into a light pole and caving in the whole back end of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, right in uh, <laughs> in the Seven Eleven parking lot. I I never got the trunk open after that, and I uh, I got rid of the car. I traded it in for a Torino, my my Torino, which we're going to listen to a little bit here right now. The next summer, I bought a 1970 Ford Torino GT convertible. Sweet little ride. Drove it for a couple of years, never had any problems with it, until Tommy asked to borrow it on his Stonegate lunch break one day. I hesitated, he persisted, and I let him. What a dumbass I was. He brought the car back with a burned alternator. Should have gone with my gut, or maybe I should have just punched Tommy. Okay, so, um, Tommy, you, you've said... In recent years, you don't remember doing that, but I distinctly remember getting in the car after you brought it back, and the uh, yeah the dash light was on. Really? <laughs> yeah. That was probably someone was going to break anyway. Then I just <laughs> I just put it put it over the edge quicker. So I saved you. I saved you a toffee. Oh man! Did I? Yeah, but you still owe you still owe me for the alternator. I'll repay it in beer. How's that? I like that. I like that. I was, uh, I, you'd think after my experiences with the GTO, I would have grown up a little bit, but I remember driving that convertible Torino with the top down down the street one day and the, the weather started to rain a little bit. So I decided it was a good idea to put the top up as I was driving at about 40 miles an hour. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. How long did you have the Torino? I had the Torino for, um, I'm going to say three years. I had it. No, maybe two years. I had it uh, a couple first couple of years of college, and then you drove the beast. Then I had nothing. Then I then I had my Honda one seventy five nineteen seventy one <laughs> Honda one seventy five motorcycle. I took up to Lawrence and <laughs> drove that around campus. Is that when you went to K K who K U 
Where did you go? The William, the William White School of Journalism. Is that what it was? Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, AK, it's too bad you didn't go to a good school. You could have really amounted to something. <laughs> but to Kansas State, you would have been a much better person. You know, I regret going to KU every day in my life. I should have gone to K-State and studied agriculture or shitty beer or whatever you guys majored in. Patty and I are graduates of the B School at Kansas State. I beg your pardon. That's right. And look at Patty. Look where he's at. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We know something. Yeah, what, on the thing right there. What do you know? We know that it's a – thank God we got a, a good education so we can retire early. Are you still working? <laughs> yes, I'll be working forever. All right, boys. Well, listen, this was fun. Anything else you want to add about uh, Tommy, the cars, Stonegate, Champlin, any, any other memories that we missed? Yes. <laughs> working at Champlin, I think it was like spring – and the man came in who was a completely exhausted from stacking boxes. <laughs> and you ridiculed this poor guy. <laughs> Kennedy, tell the story. <laughs> well, I mean, this guy came in all the time and he'd get out of his car and he'd, he'd you know, we'd, we'd have a conversation. That's back in the day when people stayed in their cars because they weren't allowed to pump their own gas. And we had to pump it. But this guy got out and he was a friendly dude and got to know him a little bit as over the years or over time as he stopped in. And one time he, he got out and he was just kind of going, huh, huh. and I go, what's wrong, man? He goes, I'm tired. I go, what are you tired? He goes, I've been stacking boxes all day. <laughs> so <laughs> eight feet high, eight feet high. And, you know, it's like a, a dumb thing, but I, Pat, were you working that day or did I just tell you about it? I think I, I don't know if I was, yeah, I think I was working that day. And so we still laugh about that. The guy was just, you know, he was exhausted from stacking boxes. So Pat and I still joke about, what's wrong? I'm tired of stacking boxes. <laughs> this one guy used to come in. Had a had a kind of a twisted sense of humor. This trucker guy, you could tell he'd been driving a truck forever. And uh, he came in one night to to dump the gas, to load up the tanks, and Hayward was smoking up ribs, and you could smell that. You know how wonderful that smelled. Hayward's ribs were incredible. And um, this guy got out of his truck. I walked over to greet him. I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, I'm good, but I'm hungry. I go, yeah. He goes, ah, those ribs smell great. I go, yeah. He goes, I'm so hungry I could eat the asshole out of a skunk. <laughs> and that, that line stuck with me all these years. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Stonegate. And be sure to listen to the next one as the dumbassery continues.